Podcast. My name is Tyler Bubbles, and welcome back to the fifth Sunday in Lent for the week of March 26, 2023, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast, and I'm excited because this week we will have a new shameless plug, and I kind of want to start off just with talking a little bit about it because I'm that excited about it, and this is the Green Blades Preaching Roundtable and the Green Blades Rising Publications. This is an amazing resource where they will look at a weekly reflection or you can sign up for their monthly newsletter looking at different events and things of that nature. And again, we'll talk about it in our Shameless Plugs resource. It's been a resource that I have been connected with. I've talked with the people who are helping run it. It's an amazing resource. And again, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably would be enjoying looking at some maybe some additional commentaries or different ideas on how to potentially be looking at these texts in a different way. I have already talked with them and I will be writing one of the reflections later in 2023. So I'm really excited about this partnership and I'm excited to see and be able to continue this community thinking about faith in an environmental way, thinking about faith from a scientific perspective, thinking about faith and how these actually come together. And this is another great resource for that. So if you haven't checked out Green Blades Preaching Roundtable or the Green Blades Rising Publications, I'll have links down below and they will be in the references from this time going forward for a long time. So I'm really excited about it. That's what I was teasing last week. It's been something that's been in the works and I'm just super excited to announce it because again, being able to share those preaching resources are so important for everybody. And it's amazing to be able to do something like that. But before we jump into this week's text, we also have to take a look at last week's question, which was, how are you doing a small change to affect our global community? So one of our loyal listeners from this last week, I think brought up a really interesting comment talking about how are we looking at this going forward and how our society initially was more eco-friendly in the aspect of thinking about reusing things and how we had things come in refillable bottles like milk, cream, soda pop, beer, and how we had to return those items for them to be washed out. And there are no, there are still sections of the country, heck, even my grandparents have spots where you still bring in the reusable containers for them to be able to be recycled and be able to be used again, the glass bottles. But how we have moved into a plastic society and how that's become less and less the norm. And I think it's one of those simple little things, even from how we used to have more and more paper bags and we're moving to plastic bags. And I know for myself, it's been something of a conscious effort. And I know it's going to take a lot more than just that. But it's those small steps that make a big difference in trying to constantly be thinking about them and how do we move toward that in a different way. So let's just jump into it for this week. And I think this is kind of a fun week. It's a difficult week in certain ways, but I think it's also a fun week. And you'll see how it's difficult in a little bit. So the Old Testament text this week is from Ezekiel chapter 37, the first 14 verses of it. This is a text that some of you might be familiar with, with the dry bones. And it's this image that God gives to the prophet Ezekiel and looking at the morality of human beings and how there's these dry bones out in the desert. 
and how suddenly there starts to be sinews, which are like beginnings of ligaments and different things to help bring something of a humanly form together so that bone to bone they come together. And this is a prophecy coming to Ezekiel talking about how the tribe of Israel has been kind of appears to be forgotten about, appears to be on their own, appears to be just dead. And how God is not doing that, but God is doing a new thing. God is going to bring life into these dry bones and it's going to revitalize the people of Israel, the tribe of Israel, and how this is going to be fulfilling the prophecy going forward. And again, where we're going with Christ, it's just refilling, but also remembering this spot in Lent when there's those moments where we feel dry, we feel empty, we feel done, that God is still being this person who is trying to fill our personhood, is trying to bring life into our own dry bones. The psalm this week is Psalm 130, all eight verses of it. And this, I think, pairs beautifully with it, especially the first couple verses here. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my voice of my supplications. If you, O Lord, should mark my iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you so that you may be revered. The first four verses, this idea of how at times as we are praying, as we are communicating with God, the moments that we do not feel heard, the moments that we feel like we're being left out to dry, the times that we're feeling like we are these dry bones out in the desert and how we cry out to God, these moments of us not fully seeing the whole picture, this moment of how we feel that we have been abandoned and we haven't been abandoned. I think this is a great image in this psalm to give us this understanding. And in the second half of it, this recognition of how the steadfast love of God that we have is not something that's coming and going, but God is still always there with that love. It's that sometimes we're not necessarily seeing the whole picture of it. The New Testament text then is out of Romans chapter 8, verses 6 through 11. This is then helping us recognize that our body, our flesh, can only do so much. And it's not out of the flesh that we're able to give. It's out of the spirit that dwells within us, that Christ died to be able to help bridge this relationship and be able to have the uh, spirit of God within us. And it's that dwelling within us that we are able to then connect with God at a much deeper level, but also be able to do the work that God has called us into. The gospel text this week is again out of John chapter 11, the first 45 verses. Another long gospel text this week, but another familiar text. And this is the rising of Lazarus from the dead. So we have Mary and Martha again. And Mary has anointed Jesus' feet previously with perfume, and they have this deep relationship with Jesus. Jesus then gets word that Lazarus, their brother, is ill, and he hears of it and is trying to get there, but he takes his time to get there. Jesus gets told about Lazarus being ill. He stays an additional two days. There's some turmoil and the disciples are a little bit concerned about Jesus's life. If he goes, Jesus is not as concerned about this. I need to continue to go. 
Jesus then goes because he needs to help waken his friend Lazarus. And the disciples just aren't getting it. As they're concerned for his life, um, why can't he just wake up? As Jesus arrives, he gets told that Lazarus is dead. And Jesus then still wants to go to the tomb. And their statement is it's already been four days. And this is significant, especially within Jewish culture, because at that time, it was seen that the spirit of the person hung around for three days. So on the fourth day, it ascended to the heavens. So it was no longer there. Mary and Martha are obviously going through a lot of grief in this. Martha heard that Jesus is coming. She goes to talk to him. Mary stays home. Martha then has this small conversation with Jesus and Jesus reassures her that, no, your brother is not dead. He's going to rise again. Martha, you know, stating that he is dead. And Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the day of resurrection. Jesus reaffirming her in verse 25, I am the resurrection of life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. She then states, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who's coming into the world. And goes to tell Mary about this. Mary, when she hears this and finally comes to Jesus, is distraught. And Mary kind of breaking down, but is stating, you know, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus saw her weeping and is greatly disturbed and moved and asks her, where is he laid so that he can go and pay his respects? It says in verse 35, he weeps. This showing the crowds of people around that Jesus loved this person. Jesus then finally gets to the tomb and tells them to roll away the stone. And so he rolls away the stone and Jesus then reassures you, did I not tell you that if you believe that you would see the glory of God? And Jesus goes into prayer, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I know that you will always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. And then he cries out for Lazarus to come out. Lazarus comes out bound in strips of cloth all over him. Jesus then asks for them to unbind him. This is the traditional burial method. And then many people come to believe in Jesus through this miraculous healing of Lazarus. So, before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do a shameless plug. Oh, the Green Blades Preaching Roundtable, like I stated early, it's either a weekly reflection talking about a wide range of writers from the upper Midwest and beyond on ecological echoes, implications, and urgencies in preaching for weekly lectionary. And we'll have those resources if you're wanting to sign up for that down below. But they also provide a monthly newsletter of resources and events and occasional event notices for the upper Midwest and beyond. And again, to also subscribe to that, the email will be listed down below. I'd also highly recommend checking out Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcasts, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help give me some different perspectives on how to look at these texts. I really enjoy not only having multiple commentaries for multiple years of going through this cycle, but I also highly recommend checking out their discussions and podcasts that are over there. So if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend that. 
I'd also highly recommend checking out Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. Not only do I love using how they lay out the text week to week, but as we've talked about before, the art, the hymns, the colors. It's so amazing to have such a great packed resource there to be able to use on a week-to-week basis. So if you haven't checked out the revised common lectionary coming from Vanderbilt Divinity Library, I'd highly recommend that also. One of the things that really stood out for me as I went through this text, especially the gospel text this week, and when you look at the gospel and how then it applies to all of the other three texts, I think you see a pattern. And it's a pattern that I think as humans we really struggle with. And I think it's one of the things as we are going forward, as we look into the future and what we potentially will be wrestling with, I think this is a problem that not only have we dealt with in the past, but we will continue to deal with. And that is two different things. First, patience. And second, God's timing versus our timing. When you look at Mary and Martha and look at the death of Lazarus, it appears that Jesus shows up too late. He's dead. His spirit has left him. It's been four days. There's no way for this man to be raised again. And I've talked about before at Easter the significance of three days and even how the body decomposes within those three days. It's a miracle on what Jesus is doing here. But also think about if Jesus had been there and healed him like he had healed other people, would this be as significant? Because it talks about here at the end of the text, in verse 45, many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary, had seen what Jesus did and believed in him, believed in Jesus, believed in the Messiah because of what they've been able to witness. If God had talked to Jesus to be there earlier and had communicated and had been there earlier and healed him before, would this have not been able to be to the same effect that what we was able to happen? Would the dry bones have not been dry enough? Would there still have been flesh on those bones and the impact would not have seemed as significant? Patience and God's timing are very difficult for us to wrap our heads around. And I think there's a couple of them that we are working on right now. Some a little more direct than others, But I think we'll start with the more indirect one and then focus in on one that's a little bit more direct to what we deal with on a day-to-day basis. So I have some breaking news for you. You ready for this? It is quite literally breaking news. The African continent is breaking apart. The African tectonic plate is breaking into the Nubian and Somali plates, which will then break Africa and the African horn off into eventually becoming its own subcontinent. There is now a rift that is starting to form where the tectonic plates are going into each other and causing the land to sink down, which will eventually be then filled with the Red Sea and the Indian Ocean, thus creating a new ocean. And we will have a new continent. The estimated time, at least 10,000 years. It takes a lot of time. The crack is definitely being exposed, and I'll attach some articles down below, but especially in Kenya, and it's moving apart at a whopping rate of about two centimeters, and I've seen upwards to six centimeters per year. 
It's going to take a long time as these rocks are starting to pull apart and create new land. And this reiterates the whole idea of, again, that we are on a planet that is constantly changing, constantly reforming, constantly moving. And this takes sometimes a lot longer than we would expect. I mean, as a scientist, we'd really like to be able to see this in one generation, much less multiple generations, because it will really help us understand maybe how volcanoes work, maybe how tectonic plates work at a better level, how this tectonic plates and the moving of continents have all happened It'd be awesome to be able to see that in one lifetime, but now we're talking multiple lifetimes to put these pieces together to see this new continent be formed. Our timing is, it would be great in a lifetime or two. God's timing, it's going to take a little bit longer. Let's give you another example, a little bit more of a concrete example. We've talked quite a bit recently about climate change in different ways. And when we talk about climate change, one of the things that I don't think we spend enough time really thinking about is even if we are able to keep it under the 385 parts per million, definitely under 400 parts per million of carbon dioxide, and let's hypothetically say that tomorrow the whole entire world decided to give up carbon emissions entirely, we're done. Is the problem over? If we suddenly stopped producing carbon, does everything just magically get better? No, it won't. It's not just magically going to get better overnight. The carbon problem that we have is not like Amazon Prime. It is not that we stop for two days and two days later, suddenly magically the earth returns to pre-industrial age. No, that's part of the problem with it. When I'll attach some abstracts to articles down below, but we're talking about for the damage to be reversed, to be able to go to pre-industrial levels where the earth is more toward its natural cycle pre-industrial revolution. We're talking at least 1,000 years. Because carbon dioxide stays in the atmosphere for a very long time, it doesn't just magically disappear. It can take upwards to a thousand years potentially to break all this down to potentially get closer to. And that doesn't then accommodate for we're having glaciers that have been around for thousands of years since the last glacial period to then be restored. How do we restore a glacier? We have to wait for a cooling cycle to come back, to be able to do things, to be able to go back, to have your glacier come back. And it doesn't necessarily bring back all these species that suddenly have been dissipated because of our human activity. That's part of the problem with us doing these things. We don't understand the impact of what we are fully doing. We don't know the lasting effect on what this all does. That's what makes this so difficult. That's what makes it sometimes difficult to be a caretaker for something. It's what makes it hard being a gardener sometimes because you don't understand entirely what is all going on. We have to trust. It's going to take a long time. I think there's a lot of times, especially when we look at a text kind of like what we have here in John, or we're hearing the cry in the Psalms and how we just want God to suddenly appear and make it all better. We want this superhuman, superhero-esque God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, to come into a place 
and just reset everything. But I think the issue with that is that if we had that, we know deep down that the love and relationship that we would have with the creator of the universe would be very surface level. It'd be more of a helpline than a relationship. More of something that we call upon just in times of trouble, not calling on in times of doing well, times of saying thank you and genuinely meaning it when nothing really was going on. And if that was the case, what would cause us to ever get together and spend time with other believers? It's a helpline. Do people who call helplines suddenly get together and talk about what they called in on the helpline for? God wants this deeper relationship, this relationship of trust, this relationship of time. Something that takes a significant amount of time to build that trust, to develop that love and care. I think that's where when we understand even just at this basic level of how continents are moving and seeing the amount of time that it takes helps us appreciate what we have in the time that we have. That in some period of time, the world in which we know is going to be much different. And that's okay. So appreciate the beauty of what we have today. Appreciate how the tectonic plates have moved our planet at this time and at this place to make these natural beauties that God's hand is all around. Do we do that and take this seriously enough that we're creating something that can be a monster that doesn't necessarily just go away the moment we flip off the machines. That the carbon dioxide is still there and we still are going to take a long time. And there's things that we have done that is irreversible. We can't go back. Are we taking those words seriously enough? I sometimes wish, I think with climate change and I think all of us, that there was an easy reset button. Or there was an easy button just to, okay, we, we turned it all off, God. Now it stops. And I think it's this reality of God trying to show us that, no, that's not the relationship I want with you. I've never abandoned you. I've never left you out to dry. I'm not going to leave you to die and just be dry bones. I want to be in every part of you. I want to pick up those dry bones and bring the sinews, the ligaments, the muscles, and build this body to be a holy temple for me to dwell in. And that every move that you make is in me. That the love that you show for the environment and the world around you and the people around you is a reflection of me. And that in the interactions and working together with people, you see more and more glimpses of who I am. And that isn't a quick helpline. This is understanding that the consequences of what you do have lasting impacts and they aren't quick and easy fixes. We know in our own lives that yes, there's times that we've made big mistakes and there aren't quick and easy fixes. But when we're able to get through that, those are some of the monumental moments within our own lives. Why wouldn't God want to be in those? Why wouldn't God want to be in those interactions? Why wouldn't God want to be in that you're learning about the place in which I've created? Yes, I'm going to teach you slowly in my time about how the continents were formed and how this place came to be as I am doing it yet again and continue to be the creator that I am who continues to create. But you, on the other hand, I'm also going to help you continue to learn and you have to make decisions on the impact on what you're doing to this place 
and understand that the decisions that you make have long-lasting effects. Just like me making a new subcontinent have long-lasting effects. Because that's the business I'm in. I'm in a business of long-term, not short-term. I'm in it for a long haul, multiple lifetimes, not just your lifetime. And I think this is a moment where we have to realize that when we're looking at these texts and looking at how Jesus is even interacting with Lazarus, that I'm trying to look at something at a much different time horizon than you are. And I'm still going to show up and do miraculous things. And I can't predict in this moment, in this space, if we were able to suddenly turn off fossil fuels, that God wouldn't miraculously show up and we'd suddenly have some predictions that were wrong. But it also means that we have to have the dedication to actually do that because Jesus still goes and does that. And if you look, even in their grief, Mary still leads Jesus to the tomb, even though it doesn't seem like anything's there. Martha goes along with them. They still are dedicated, even when it seems like this isn't going to be enough. Even though a lot of the data within how the world is changing doesn't necessarily look optimistic. That doesn't give us a reason to suddenly give up. And I think that's something for us to be thinking about. And especially in the season of Lent, where a lot of times there's times that we try doing something for Lent and we're unsuccessful. It doesn't mean just because we miss one day. It doesn't mean just because we've stumbled some that we just give up. And it also shows within the faith, just because we don't necessarily do it perfectly means that we just give up. So the question I have for you this week is, When is a time that God's time and your time haven't aligned and looking back, you see how God's time was better? When has there been a time that God's time and your time didn't line up and looking back, you see that God's time was better? Because I think that's where we're at a lot with this world. God works on a much different time horizon, not just in our lifetime. He looks at multiple lifetimes to do things. And I think we have to be okay with that. We have to have the faith to take that leap of faith, to understand that we're going to take steps that we're not going to see the end result of. We're going to plant a tree that we're never going to see the end of its lifetime. We're going to take steps that drastically change our lives to impact the world, and we may never see it. But we're trusting in that God's time is better than our time. And I think that's when the dry bones start getting the sinews and we start seeing those flesh on those bones, we then start seeing the Holy Spirit being able to come and dwell within us just like the Romans text says and our cries like in the first half of Psalm 130 suddenly do not feel like we're crying out in the desert but suddenly as if we are realizing the love of what Christ is doing as we are seeing the beauty of what is actually going on that's beyond what we can imagine before we started. The beauty of Lazarus being raised from the dead is in that moment they weren't able to see the impact of what was going on. We now can get glimpses of what Jesus was doing, not only in that time and the people he brought to the faith at that moment, but we also look now and ponder with reverence as we also see how God's time continues to line up at that time with ours still today as we continue to use this text to learn about our own faith and look at the world around us today and see how we need to grow. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.